I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to the oldest book that many say in the Bible is the book of Job. Book of Job, chapter 9, uh, right before the book of Psalms. Job, chapter 9. I'm going to read just the first two verses. Job chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Job asks the most important question that will ever be asked of man. And here it is. Then Job answered and said, For I know it is so of a truth, but how can man be just with God? Wow. How can man, born of a woman, be clean? How can we be just with God? Now, I want to tell you, first of all, how man cannot be just with God. Contrary to popular belief and contrary to what a lot of folks believe, Man cannot be just with God by doing good works. Many believe that, and there are many religions in the world today, and all but one is based on your good works. Christianity is based on good work, but not our works, but his work. So we cannot be justified by good works. Paul said in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 that it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we're not saved by doing good works, and we're not saved by being good. A lot of folks think that, and this was what Buddhism was found on, uh, do good deeds, think good thoughts. But my question to Buddha is, how can I do that? How can I, how can I think good deeds, and think good thoughts, and do good deeds? How can I do that? And Paul asked that question, even of himself. He said, when I would do good and want to do good, I don't do it. And when I would, I don't. When I don't, I do. And But he said, I thank God that it is through Jesus Christ, my Lord, that he has saved me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he said, I thank God that it is through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So we're not saved by doing good works. We're not saved by doing good. In fact, the scripture says plainly that there is none that doeth good, no, not one. So uh, you can do all the good works that you want. You can work your fingers to the bone. And I want to tell you, you cannot you cannot do enough good works. You cannot be good enough to gain entrance into God's great heaven. In Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 13, Jesus is taking the little children. They're bringing them to him. 
and he puts them up in his arms, and he's blessing them. He's blessing the little children. And the disciples didn't like it. In fact, they rebuked those that brought the little children to him. And when Jesus knew the thinking of the disciples, he rebuked them. He rebuked the disciples, and he said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And he that doesn't receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. And he left picking the little children up and blessing them. And when he had finished blessing all of the little children, he goes on his way. And the scripture says that there comes one running after him. And he kneels down and he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response to him was, Why do you call me good? There's none that doeth good but God. And this one who came running and kneeling down, Jesus beholding him and loved him. And he said, you know the commandments. He said, don't commit adultery, don't steal, defraud not, uh, honor your father and your mother. And this one said, Master... All these have I observed from my youth up. And then here's where Jesus beheld him and he loved him. And he said the saddest words that you'll ever hear. One thing thou likest. Go thy way, sell that that thou hast, give to the poor, and come, take up thy cross and follow me. And the scripture says that he went away very sorrowful, for he had great riches. And Jesus said, how hardly shall they that are rich enter into the kingdom of God. Now, he's not saying that we can't enter in if we have money. He's not saying that. What Jesus is saying, how hardly can they enter into the kingdom that trust in their riches or trust in anything other than in him ever expect to enter into the kingdom of God. So so good works, uh, being good is not going to save us. We're not going to enter the kingdom uh, through either of these. And I, I want to tell you something. Religion will not save you. Now, this is, going to, this is going to blow your mind. There are over 4,200 religions in the world today. Over 4,200 religions in the world, known religions in the world today. Among them, Christianity is the leader. Islam is second. Well, let me tell you something. You're looking at a preacher who is not a Protestant. I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a Baptist. I'm not a Methodist. I'm not a Nazarene. But you're looking at a preacher who is a born-again believer who has put his faith in the completed and the finished work 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. So among these religions of the world today, there are people that are trusting in sacraments. There are people that are trusting in rituals. Uh, there are people that are, and, and I want to say this. There is no man on earth, and as strongly as I believe in coming to the Lord's table and partaking of a cup and a wafer, it's only representative of his body. And God forbid that I ever stand before people and tell a people that I have the power to bless the sacraments and they literally become the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one body and there is one blood and that body was sacrificed and that blood was shed for the remission of our sins on the cross of Calvary. Jesus had a great deal of trouble with religious people in his day. Well, the, the greatest people that he faced and his strongest opposition were among religion, religious people. The scribes and the Pharisees were religious but not saved. Jesus said to them, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I come to call the sinner to repentance. And he, he would tell them, woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithes of, of anise and cumin. And, and he said, uh, these things ought you to have done. You've, you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, which is faith and love and mercy and and he said, these ought you to have done, not to leave the other undone. And then he says again, woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, you, you, you put all of the emphasis on the outside of the cup and the platter and making sure that the outside of the, of the cup is clean and the platter is clean. And he said, and you, you forget hey, the real cleansing comes from within. And he said, you clean that which is from within, and then the outside of the cup and the platter will be clean. And, oh, he closes it out by saying, oh, you generation of vipers and, and, and serpents, said, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So in answer to our question this morning, how can man be just with God? depending on how you answer that, is going to depend on where you're going to be a million years from now. Because a million years from now, you're going to be somewhere. And when you leave this life, people have a great deal, great misconception about death. Death is not annihilation. Death is not cessation of life. Beloved, when physical death comes... To a believer or an unbeliever, doesn't matter. When physical death comes, the real you, the real soul and spirit that lives within this body just simply moves out and we dispose of the body. Either we bury it or we have it incinerated or 
or ever how we choose to do that doesn't make any difference. But just because you have it incinerated doesn't mean that you're not going to stand before Almighty God and give an account for the deeds done in the body. So, so physical death is just separation. That's, that's all it is. It's moving day. And for a believer in Christ, the moment that death comes, we go immediately into the presence of Almighty God. No funeral director is going to bury Delbert Holly. Beloved, when death comes, Jesus has already came for me and ushered me into his eternal presence. But here's one that bothers me more than any other. And if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. I'm okay. I'm okay. Everything is okay between me and the Lord, and they don't have a clue about what it means to be just with God. They don't. They don't. They don't. And what they're doing, they're deceived, really. And, and Satan is a master at deception. And they're deceived by thinking deep down that their good works or being good or being religious, I come to church, I pay my tithes, I sing in the choir, I teach a Sunday school class. I want to tell you something. You can do all of this and split hell wide open. But I'm okay. I'm okay. In this same chapter, chapter 9 and verse 20, Job says, If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say that I am perfect, it shall prove me perverse. I can't justify myself. Regardless of what I say, I can't justify myself. The only one that can justify me is God himself. And I I don't want to belabor the point here, but when you think, when you think that to be just with God, we sang our congregational song, He Set Me Free. So it means to be free, free from all sin's guilt. Free from all sin's charges. Free from all condemnation. Now, how in the world can you or I stand before God free from guilt, free from sin, free from sin's charges, free from all condemnation? How can we, who born of a woman, be just with God? Well... There is absolutely one way and one way only. I know it's not politically correct to say that there's not a pluralistic of ways to, to enter into heaven. That's the popular thinking today that, that there are many roads that lead to heaven. Now, that might be true if you're going to Florida or going to Texas. Uh, there might be various routes that you can take. But I'm not talking about going to Florida. I'm not talking about going to Texas. I'm talking about going to God's great heaven. 
And I want to tell you something this morning. There is but one way. There is but one way, contrary to what popular thinking is today, uh, there is but one way for you and I to get to God's great heaven. Uh, Paul said in in the book of Romans, uh, he said this. He said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I remember the night I did that. I do. I remember the place. I remember what it meant to me to know that I had been set free from sin's charges. I had been set free from condemnation and guilt. And to feel the weight of sin lifted from my body, I'll never forget. Whether I could recall the date, the year, I know approximately the time. I know it was in an evening service. I know where I knelt. And I know in whom I have believed. And from that moment on, I've been thoroughly convinced that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But he said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And then he asks the question, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can you do that? And how shall you believe in him of whom you have never heard? And how shall you hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Oh, I can't appreciate enough the fact that I had old-time preachers that preached to me as a kid and told me about the one way that I can get to heaven and that one way, how beautiful are their feet. How beautiful are the feet of the men that stood and declared to me the gospel and and the one and only way that you and I can get to God's great heaven. For Isaiah saith, who hath believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So how do you get faith? You get faith by hearing the word preached, the word taught. And the more you hear the word preached, the more you hear the word taught, the more you become convinced that what you're hearing is true. And then you can be, you can research it all that you want. And I want to tell you something. The evidence is here to prove that Jesus Christ was the virgin born son of almighty God, that he went to the cross and, and suffered your death suffered my death, was buried, but on the third day morning he arose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. But, hey, the Old Testament's not the only book that declares uh, how man can be just with God. I love how Job said it in Job chapter 19. 
He said, I'm about to say something. And he said, if what I'm about to say could be written in a book and led with an iron pen in the rock of ages, he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And that he is going to stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms will devour this body of mine, yet in my flesh I'm going to see God. And I'm going to see him for myself. And my eyes are going to behold him and not another. In Job uh, chapter 9, he said, I know it is so of a truth. Uh, And this is verse 1, but how can man be just with God? And then when you get to Job 25 and verse 4, he says, How can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? How? Paul wondered about that until his conversion. And after Paul's conversions, Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8. He said, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who could be against us? Now watch this. He that spared not his own son. Why didn't he spare him? Because God cannot look upon sin. And this is a mystery. But God's son became sin. And when he became sin... God turned his back upon his own son. Even on the cross, Jesus cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God cannot look upon sin. So he was delivered up for us all. And then he asked the question, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then he asked this question that I ask you. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Who is he? That liveth. It's Christ that liveth. Yea, rather, he is risen again. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. Oh, listen. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin takes, God gives. The wages of sin is death. Paul said, moreover, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 15, I delivered unto you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, and that he, and it's according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scripture, 
And he was seen of Cephas. Then he was seen of the twelve. Then he was seen of above five hundred at once. But Paul said in that same chapter, this is the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. And he says, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. But oh, I love the emphasis that he put upon it in verse 20. He said, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. When you think of wages versus gift, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Wages is something that you earn for work that's been done, right? Wages in this scripture is what you've earned because of the sins committed. Now, I don't care how good you think you are, and I don't care how good a life you've lived. There's not a one of us that's good enough to get into God's great heaven. And there's not a one of us that doesn't need the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to our heart and applied to our life in order to gain access to God's great heaven. Jesus himself said, as he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I really think what he was saying was, I'm going to prepare a way for you to get to where I'm going. And he said, if I go and prepare the way, then he said, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And Thomas, like a lot of us, was taken back by what he was saying. And he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And here is the greatest truth ever recorded in the Word of God. In verse 6 of John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't. I I don't know your heart. But listen, you can be caught up into a false theology. M.R.D. Hahn said your theology can be clear as ice, twice as cold. But it's not when you come down to the end, I'm okay. Everything is okay between me and the Lord. What are you basing that on? What are you basing that answer on? I'm okay. I'm going to tell you this morning, you're not okay if you haven't Put your faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And you say, well now, pastor, what results from that? I want to tell you something. What results from that? There is good works that come from that. Not that you're working to get saved, but you're working because you are saved. Deeds done are not done in order to achieve salvation, 
good deeds done are done because you have received salvation and the visit that you're making and the souls that you're witnessing to, you're doing it because you have put your faith in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's to bring honor and glory to his precious name. Every visit that you make doesn't put any stars in my crown, doesn't merit me anything. I do it, and I want to tell you, if you've been to Calvary and you've tasted the goodness of Almighty God, it ought to result in Him being the Lord of your life. He's the Lord of my life because of what He hath done on my behalf. So how can man be just with God? How can you do that? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. Whoa. 